0: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by Manscaped.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and we are back. After a few days off, a few days of rest, some time to recharge our batteries during a uh, an international break, uh, we've yeah, I think I, I think I have recharged those batteries. Been thinking a lot about sort of some new things that we can bring to the channel, and there's plenty coming your way. So stay tuned for that. Our competition um, from when we hit 10k subscribers also kicks off tomorrow. So keep your eyes peeled on the uh, Chronicles of Aguna Twitter page. It's at Chronicles underscore AFC. You'll see it rolling across the bottom of your screens for those of you watching us on YouTube. So keep your eyes peeled on that for your chance to win an Arsenal home shirt. I was actually thinking about bringing the podcast back tomorrow, but actually there's been quite a few things going on. Um, Quite a few rumours during the rounds, quite a few interesting talking points have emerged. And so I felt like It was worth doing one today. Um, So here we are, and uh, we're going to discuss some of those topics. We're going to get you guys' thoughts and interaction in the live chat. But before we do that, um, I just want to remind you all to smash the like button if you haven't already and subscribe to the channel if you are new. It's so, so important. Um, Thank you so much in advance for your support. Um, If you're wondering what's going on with the beard, well, we're in lockdown here in the UK. So, Barbers are hard to come by at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, is what it is. We're in lockdown. We're not going anywhere. So don't think it makes a great deal of difference. Uh, so we crack on. Let's um, say a big hello to everybody in the live chat at the moment. To Omar, to Kier, to Norwegian Gunnar, to Aymen, to Graham, to Brad. Um, and uh, yeah, to everybody else joining us across the multiple platforms, I can see there are some of you joining us on YouTube, some of you joining us on Twitter, and some of you joining us right now on Facebook. So a big hello to every single one of you, wherever it is that you're joining us from. Right, let's get down to business. Let's discuss the rumours linking Christian Erikson, with a move to Arsenal. Uh, there's been some paper talk doing the rounds today. Um, I think it was initially reported by Corriere dello Sport, an Italian outlet who say that Inter are interested in Granit Xhaka and would offer us Christian Eriksen the other way. Now, immediately when I hear the name Christian Eriksen, I think Spurs don't want nothing to do with him. Um And probably rightly so. But we're going to go into it in a little bit more detail. We're going to have the discussion. Um, I'd love to hear what you guys think in the live chat as well. And I'll come to those comments shortly. Uh, But first, I'm going to share with you my thoughts. Christian Eriksen is one of those footballers that, you know, there is talent there. I don't think anybody can deny that. And I'm just bringing up um, his Spurs record because he is a player who, um, you know, who, who creates goals, scores goals or did anyway um, during his time at White Hart Lane but the move to, to Inter just hasn't worked out for him and you guys will know that I'm a big Italian football fan and I pay quite a bit of attention to the ongoings over there and, and what's going on and it's safe to say that Christian Eriksen isn't really part of Antonio Conte's plans and when you see how it's unfolded for Christian Eriksen so far you you do wonder why Inter went out and got him why Inter paid the money that they did for him and they paid a substantial amount of money 24.3 million pounds for somebody whose contract was due to expire Um, so they really did break the bank they really did take a gamble on him but it hasn't worked at all Um, Christian Eriksen has been quoted in the Danish media just a few days ago whilst on international duty as saying it wasn't what he dreamed of uh, the move to Inter so far and to put it into context he started in just 43 percent of their Serie A games so far. He's played just 33% of their total Serie A minutes. Um, And in the Champions League, he's made two appearances, starting 11, just 33% of the time. And again, he's played 33% of their minutes. So clearly somebody who's a bit part player at Inter at the moment and somebody that they'll be keen to move on, particularly after his recent comments. Now, when you look at his Spurs record, actually on the face of it, it looks pretty good. He played 305 times uh, for that lot. He scored 69 goals and provided his teammates with an impressive 89 assists during his time at Ajax. Again, very, very impressive. 163 appearances, 32 goals, and 65 assists. So this is somebody with a history of performing really, really well Um at the highest level, but there are there are question marks, I think, and rightly so, about the player's attitude and the way he sort of engineered the move away from Spurs left a bit of a sour taste in in, in their supporters' mouths. Um, you know, I've got to be honest that I, I found it funny at the time. I found it entertaining, and I, I quite enjoyed Christian Eriksen sort of suggesting that actually he wanted a new challenge and wanted to go somewhere bigger and better, and it, 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 essentially forcing a move. Um, away from White Hart Lane but when you see a player do that at a club with whom he's been for for such a long time you then do start to worry don't you that you know is this guy a bad egg is he a bad apple And, and it's clear that Tottenham were were gonna let him go if they could get the right money and they did get the right money um Fortunately for them, and actually, it's worked out worse for Christian Eriksen in the long run because Spurs have pocketed those funds. Christian Eriksen's gone to Italy, and lo and behold, he's not performing to anywhere near the level um, that we know he can. And you you know, you've got to be fair when talking about Christian Eriksen. Uh, People will say he's he's been really poor since he went to Italy, but as I've just said, as I've just explained, going through sort of his previous, there is a player in there somewhere. There really, really is. Um, let's see what you guys are saying in regards to Christian Eriksen, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about Granit Xhaka and why, in my opinion, this swap deal is a no-go. Um, let's see what you guys are saying. Big hello to uh, Brad. Graham says he'll take it. Uh, Chris says, I don't see Eriksen coming to Arsenal. Amen says, same, but you never know. Um, Graham also goes on to say, we have cover for Xhaka and we need creativity. There are better than Ericsson, but this is a no-lose deal. Uh, Musa says he plays hot and cold, wasn't very consistent at Spurs, just my opinion. Um, AK says, don't agree with the swap deal, better to sell Shaka and use the money to buy Zoboslai. Plus, Ericsson doesn't have the resale value as he's 28. Um, all great points. Big hello to Daniel as well. Um and everybody else joining us in the live chat. Now let's let's talk a little bit about why for me this swap deal is a no go. Well first of all they're two completely different players. Having brought Thomas Partey in, we were strengthening our midfield options because quite frankly prior to tying Danny Sabayos down for another year and Partey coming in, we were desperately, desperately short in the central midfield position, having allowed Matteo Genduzzi and Lucas Torreira to leave the club on loan. So, Arsenal were in desperate need of reinforcements in the middle of the park. It's pretty clear with the way that Mikel Arteta sets up this side that he is keen on having a couple of deep line midfielders in the team. Um, whether you agree with that or not, that seems to be the Mikel Arteta way at the moment. And, um, you know, Granit Xhaka is that type of player, and Granit Xhaka gives him an option. Granit Xhaka also gives him an option of slotting into that left centre back role when Arsenal shape shifts in game as well. Whereas Christian Eriksen is 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 for me best deployed as a number ten. Arsenal are desperately crying out for a creative midfield player. I completely agree, but first of all, the question you have to ask yourself is: In Mikel Arteta's current system, where does one of those fit in? And second of all, could we not go out and get somebody more useful than Christian Eriksen, an out-of-form Christian Eriksen, a Christian Eriksen who looks as though he's fallen out of love with the game? Could we not get somebody better, somebody more with a a longer-term view? But again, I go back to that first question. You need to find a way to fit that player in the team, whoever it may be. So, it's not as straightforward as that. You know, the whole point of bringing Partey and Ceballos in was to add to our options and strengthening those deep line midfield positions. So letting Xhaka go and then depleting our numbers again wouldn't make sense for me. You guys that watch this channel regularly will know that I rate Granite Xhaka probably a lot more highly than, than the general Arsenal fan. Um, and that's fine. You know, people have their view on him. People have their opinion on him. I do think he is limited in some aspects and in some ways, but you know he's been a he's been a leader under Mikel Arteta. He's someone that Mikel Arteta really values, and so I can't see this happening, nor would I want it to happen. I guess is is kind of my conclusion on this one. Um, let's see what you guys are saying in the live chat. We'll go back to the. Live chat, RSB99 says, we need to start buying for the future. Stop with the washed up has-beens. Um, Gregory Zacharias says, Christian Eriksen is premiership quality. This swap deal could be the partnership Thomas Partey needs. I don't know about that. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Um, AK says, Eriksen in Arsenal will be Ozil 2.0. FX Entertainment, evening Harry. I really don't want him. I'd rather have Ozil back. Jonas says, why would we drop Ozil to sign Ericsson? Agreed. Um, And Rashid says, I'm sure there's a number 10 somewhere out there in all the leagues, maybe even in the championship. Um, Archangel raises a question about the international break. We'll touch on that in a minute. So don't don't panic. Um, That is one of the things we're going to be discussing on this show. So stay calm, um, stay chilled. And we're, we're going to get to that. Quick reminder, guys, if you haven't already smashed the like button, I can see there's only a, a few likes and there's significantly more of you watching at the moment than there is like. So please uh, do us a favour, help us out, smash the like button, your support is very much appreciated. Quick reminder as well, um, while it's on my mind, this podcast is sponsored by manscaped.com. So if you're thinking about your Christmas shopping already and you've got somebody hairy in mind then head over to manscaped.com. Check out their fantastic products. Enter the discount code CHRONICLESAFC, uh, all in capitals. You'll see it rolling across the bottom of your screens now, and you will receive 20% off of your order plus free shipping. So that's manscaped.com. Check them out, and we thank them for their kind sponsorship. Um, right, let's go back to to all things Arsenal. So we've established that I don't want to swap Xhaka for Ericsson, um, I think we, we've we all established that Arsenal need a creative force. Um, but whether that's Christian Eriksen or not, that is up for debate. Look, I, I just think given his history, I don't think he comes to Arsenal anyway. I don't think we live in a world where Christian Eriksen comes to the Emirates Stadium. And I don't think that that would necessarily be the right move for Arsenal. So, um, yeah, no go for me on that one. I don't want to see Christian Eriksen at the Emirates Stadium nor do I particularly want to see Granite Xhaka unless we're going to significantly upgrade in that position. And when I say that position, it sparks another point. The position of Granite Xhaka and the position of Christian Eriksen are two completely different things. So there's no comparison. And therefore, for me, a direct swap between those two players just simply does not work. Right. Uh, let's move on and discuss the reports linking Shkodran Mustafi with a move to Barcelona. Yes, you heard right. Barcelona are interested in Skodran Mustafi and I'm not surprised to be honest. I'm not surprised. Barcelona going for a rebuilding phase, Barcelona looking for center backs who are comfortable in possession, um who like to play on the front foot and I think that Skodran Mustafi is all of those things. Does he have a calamity in him once in a while? Yeah, he absolutely does. I've defended him before and I'll defend him again. I think that Skodran Mustafi isn't anywhere near as bad as some Arsenal fans would have you believe. And the fact that Barcelona, one of the biggest football clubs in the world, regardless of what state they're in at the moment, regardless of how they're doing in La Liga, um, which is not very well, incidentally. If they want someone, it means they have something about them. And Skodran Mustafi has plenty of experience at the highest level, a World Cup winner and uh, Barcelona have looked at his situation. They can see that he's out of favour at the Emirates Stadium. And it looks as though they're going to try and lure him to the Camp Nou um, at the earliest opportunity, which would, of course, be uh, in the January transfer window. Now, Shkodran Mustafi's Arsenal contract, I'm just going to have a look, if I'm not mistaken, expires at the end of this season. I'm just going to double-check that to be sure. Yeah, June uh, 2021, Shkodran Mustafi's contract Expires. So if we're gonna cash in on him, then January would would be the time to do it, wouldn't it? Alternatively, you've got to sign him up on a new deal because we need um, we need to make money from Shkodran Mustafi. We invested thirty million pounds in the guy, and um, Arsenal will be desperate to to get something back for him. Whether it's the the amount that they invested, it won't be you know it won't be anywhere near that. But they need to recuperate something. Because in the summer, that was one of the big priorities. It was about recuperating money. It was about um, trying to shift some of the dead weight, but also raising funds at the same time. And whilst Arsenal put their hands in their pockets and made sure that we got Thomas Partey and Gabriel and etc., etc., you know, they still didn't meet that objective of, of actually raising funds. Not enough anyway. And so it feels like to me, if there is an interest in Shkodran Mustafi from Barcelona and there is an offer on the table, Arsenal simply need to take it. But I wouldn't be surprised if he discusses a move with Barcelona um, in January, agrees a pre-contract, which he's completely entitled to do um, in January and then joins Barcelona on a free transfer in the summer. Don't rule that out. Um, That could happen. Um, I feel like they're going to. That's probably the most likely route. Um, Arsenal will try and get money, as I've already said, and there is a need to get money for Skodran Mustafi. But as I say, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a free transfer. I wouldn't be surprised if a pre-contract agreement is signed between the club and player uh, in the January transfer window. And we see Skodran Mustafi pick up his bags, his suitcases, and jump on a plane over to Barcelona to join them. But again, look, I can see you guys in the comments Um Almost sort of poking fun at sort of what I'm saying with regards to, to Shkodran Mustafi. But as I'll say it again, if he's that bad, why do arguably the biggest or maybe the second biggest football club in world football? Why do they want him if he's that bad? you got to ask yourself that question. Um, you know, and, and I feel like we've Ars- when it comes to Arsenal fans, we're very sort of tunnel vision um, we make our minds up on people very quickly, sometimes unfairly. Agendas take over. Um, fan rhetoric gets in the way of us actually making fair judgments on people fairly often. Um, and I think that has been the case with Shkodran Mustafi. Has he had brain farts, as I said earlier? Yes, of course he has. He's had a few of them, actually. Um, but is he as bad as everybody makes out? No. Um, I don't think he is. Uh, Graham says, uh, "Stop it, Harry. You're not surprised." Uh, Marco says, "I'll personally drive Mustafi to the airport. No neg- no negotiations needed. Just sell." Barcelona transfers are as fraudulent as Arsenal's. Um, Arsenal Granny says he'll also be cheap. Um, Lewis says Mustafi has a lot of experience, but it's just a shame he has no defending ability. Uh, Brad Richardson, I guess, in response to what we were saying about the the potential um, of him joining on a free transfer, says uh, Barcelona in financial trouble. So it makes sense. Um, Archangel says, all right, Barca, we surrender. You can have him. Um, Graham also adds he's likely going for a free. Um, Chris Pantelli says... He's not the worst defender we've ever had. Stepanov's and Gus Caesar spring to mind, but I don't rate him, to be honest, Harry. He's not good enough for us, let alone Barcelona, in my opinion. Um, Samuel Gray also says, you have to ask that same question about Eriksen. Despite him being an ex-Spurs player, he was being heavily linked with Real Madrid. Yeah, but uh, Samuel, I've, I've not said that I don't think Christian Eriksen is a good player or there isn't a good player in there. I just don't think it's happened for him at Inter. And I just don't think that we we should be looking for that profile of player. And I don't mean in terms of his position. I mean, in terms of someone who's coming into the later years of his career, somebody who's going to want a really big contract. I don't think he's the kind of profile of player we should be looking at in terms of that, in terms of how he fits the club's vision for the future. Not because I don't think he's a decent player. And I think that um, that the same... Well, I think it's a bit different with Barcelona because they're looking to to quick to put in quick fixes. You know, there's a whole mess going on at Barcelona behind the scenes at the moment, <clears throat> and um, if you if you get some time and you've got um, some spare time and you're interested in Spanish football and what's actually going on at the Camp Nou, uh, Jonas Yeva, Spanish football correspondent. Who joined me on the show not too long ago, actually. Um, he started his own YouTube channel and he put a really good video. Uh, it's 28 minutes long. It's explaining what's going on at Barcelona in 28 minutes. And it's really interesting. Um, and it's something that, you know, I-, I found really educational. So if you're interested in that and you want to check it out, please uh, do head over to Jonas Yeva's YouTube channel and check that out. Kieran B makes a good point. It didn't happen for Burkhamper Inter. Sometimes... The marriage between a player and a club just doesn't work. It's absolutely a fair point. You know, we've seen that. We've seen examples of that countless times. You know, how many times... Look at Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley's an example of someone who's gone to Chelsea. Couldn't really hack it. Couldn't really cut it. Couldn't establish himself as a regular. Goes on loan to Aston Villa. He looks like a world beater. You know, um, There are countless examples over history of players who performed really well somewhere, but then flopped somewhere else. You know, Diego Forlan is another example that springs to mind. If you want to keep it Premier League, comes to Man United, can't score to save his life, goes to Spain and bangs in goals uh, regularly. So, you know, that is a thing in football. Sometimes it could be to do with the system. It could be to do with the coach. It can be to do with settling in your personal life, etc., etc., There are so many factors you you need to consider um, when having that kind of discussion and and actually getting down into the detail as to why a player may have not necessarily fulfilled his potential at one particular club. All interesting points, guys. Thank you so much. Um, Get your questions in the live chat as well. Uh, I'm going to touch on a couple more bits and then I'll be coming to those. So feel free to stick those in the live chat. Uh, Get as many questions in as you possibly can. Smash the like button. If you haven't already, as well, let's have a quick check in as to where we are on the likes. Uh, just 32 at the moment, guys, and there's over 100 of you watching across the multiple platforms. So please uh, do smash that like button um, sooner rather than later and subscribe to the channel if you're new. Right. Uh, Mohamed El Neni. Mohamed El has tested positive for COVID 19 whilst on international duty with Egypt. Now Mohamed Elneny of course partnered Thomas Partey in the game at Old Trafford where Arsenal ran out 1-0 winners um putting a really really impressive display that day and of course started alongside Thomas Partey in the game against Aston Villa although that day things didn't quite go to plan. But this will come as a blow for Arsenal because Mohamed Elneny has established himself clearly as as a, a first choice midfielder under Mikel Arteta thanks to some impressive performances of late. But he's gone away on international duty. He's tested positive for Covid. He is now, we believe, in Cairo. He's been sent back to Cairo and it looks as though he may have to spend the quarantine period in Egypt. It's not clear yet. Um, as reported by Charles Watts, whether Arsenal are going to be able to get Mohamed El back to the UK, will they have to get? Um, will they have to get some special dispensation from the government? I'm not sure. Um, I really don't know uh, what the deal is and, and what's going to happen with that. But it is going to be. Uh, an interesting one to see develop because Arsenal will no doubt want to get him back as quickly as possible. We saw it when Kieran Tierney um, was forced to isolate. Arsenal made every effort, didn't they, to bring their player back. But that was from Scotland. That was just crossing over the border. Now we're talking about somebody who is currently situated in the Egyptian capital, and it's going to be a little bit more problematic. I think he's not the only player in that Egypt squad that, that did, um, test positive for COVID as did Mohamed Salah and so Liverpool are going to be without him for a bit as well. Moel Nenny's definitely at the game against them um, against Leeds at the weekend whether we're able to get him back beyond that there is another test that is scheduled to take place will that come back ne- negative we don't know um, so we're just going to have to wait and see how this one unfolds but it does leave us light again in the midfield it does force Mikel Arteta's hand into a change and there's been a big debate around whether or not this international break should have gone ahead. And I, I think I get why it did. Um, you know, the UEFA Nations League does have some impact on, on qualification for the major tournaments. You've seen it. Scotland uh, got the opportunity to qualify for the Euros based on where they finished in in the UEFA Nations League. So there is an importance to it. It does have a, a knock-on effect, um, you know, on on other stuff it does have an impact financially on these these FAs and particularly those FAs that are smaller that rely on the international revenue um, you know you can't just cancel all of the fixtures you can't also cancel the European Championship qualifiers like the one that took place between um, Scotland and Serbia you, ca- you can't cancel those games they're important they need to be played however what you can cancel is the pointless meaningless friendlies that we've also had to deal with during this international break that i i simply cannot get my head around i just can't get my head around it qualifiers play them nations league play it by all means even if you know there is a debate to be had around whether it's actually safe to do that at the moment you know some would argue that they should have been postponed but where do you postpone it to you know this season is already jam-packed into a shorter period of time um so it's going to be uh difficult to do that look as I said I'm okay with the Nations League going ahead I'm okay with the um European qualifiers going ahead what I'm not okay with is meaningless pointless friendlies I think that is a shambles and um you know I know there's money involved in that but I think the the international authorities need to take a hard long look at themselves. when they made the decision to, um, or with regards to the decision, to allow some of those friendlies to go go ahead. I mean, the game between England and Ireland, I don't know if any of you saw it. I didn't watch it. I was watching um, Scotland, but i seen the highlights, and it was just a pointless, meaningless game. Like, so unnecessary. So that's the latest on Mohamed Elneny. Um, we're going to have to wait and see what happens with that, and how that situation develops. But it's almost guaranteed, almost certain that Mohamed Elneny will not... Uh, be a part of the squad that plays leeds united at the weekend Mikel arteta's press conference this week is scheduled for friday i believe um so obviously we'll bring you some update on that once that happens as well and i'm, I'm sure it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say on that too guys don't forget to smash the like button just 41 likes come on guys let's get it up to 50 at least um before we uh, wrap up today's stream um Let's talk a little bit about the situation concerning Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Now, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, of course, on international duty, representing Gabon in their bid to qualify for the African Cup of Nations. He made his feelings clear about a situation that unfolded in Gambia. Um, of course, the uh, the Gabonese players arrived in Gambia. It's understood that their passports were taken from them by staff and they were kept in the airport for six or so hours before they were allowed through, he posted pictures on social media, criticized the Gambian authorities for the way they'd handled the situation and criticized African football as a whole for allowing something like this to happen. You know, he seemed to um, to be suggesting that it was done on purpose for Gambia to try and gain some sort of advantage. Um, and apparently that kind of thing is not completely uncommon in, in African football. Although I'm just going by what I was told on that. You know, I I don't know that for sure. I've got to be honest. Um, but actually, it worked for Gambia because Gambia beat Gabon uh, by two goals to one. They raced into a two goal lead. Modu Barrow, actually, uh, who used to play football, I think for Swansea. I'm not sure where he is now. He got a goal um, for Gambia and Gambia actually beat Gabon. And uh, the Gabonese team are not too happy about that. So the two teams are now currently tied at the top of uh, that qualification group for the African Cup of Nations. Um, So yeah, seems the dirty tricks worked. But yeah, Arsenal's captain sleeping rough. um, And that will be frustrating to Mikel Arteta because obviously, as a manager of, of a Premier League club, you'll be looking at your players going away on international duty, just sitting there with your fingers crossed, hoping everybody comes back fit and firing and ready Um, to play in the upcoming Premier League game and and Arsenal of course travel to Leeds United um, which isn't going to be an easy game anyway but to have a Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang who's been sleeping on the floor in airports uh, during the week is is certainly not going to be helpful either Um, so that's really really frustrating Um, we're going to be bringing you um, a a brief preview on the Leeds game Um, it's going to come out tomorrow um, I'm going to be talking to Joe from All Leeds TV and in return I'm going to be going on All Leeds TV uh, to preview that game. So that's going to be recorded later on tonight, but I'll release that for you guys tomorrow at roundabout lunchtime. So you'll be able to get a bit of insight onto what is uh, what to expect from Marcello Bielsa's side as we prepare to face them this weekend. Right, let's have a look at some of your comments, some of your questions Um, And let's get through as many of those as we possibly can between now and the end of the stream. Um, Liam asks, I think OR is a suitable choice alongside Zoboslai. Who out of those two would you take? Um, It's a tough one to answer this. I think obviously with Zoboslai, there's a, a 25 million euro release clause, which makes that deal a lot easier to get done. But from what I understand about the player, and I could be wrong about this, so don't quote me, um, I think that Zoboslai is a bit more of a wide player um, than a, a, a central player. And yeah, I'm just looking up his profile. He's down as a left midfielder. Now, does that work better if Mikel Arteta is going to continue with this formation and then rely on the, the wide players to give you that creativity rather than... The traditional number 10, quite possibly. Um, that might not be a bad shout. And as I said, the fact that he is available um, for 25 million euros makes that deal much easier to do. And um, look, I, I've, you know, is it a bit of recency bias? But obviously, Zoboslaj has um, made an incredible impression of late, particularly in that game for Hungary that saw them seal their qualification uh, to the European Championships. Maybe it's a bit of recency bias. I was all aboard getting Hussein Mawar over the summer. But it all depends on the finances. It all depends on if that deal can be done. And you also have to bear in mind that there will be others sniffing around these two players. In particular, Dominic Silverslai. Because of that release clause, as I've just mentioned. That will put some of European football's biggest clubs on high alert. And whoever triggers that release clause will have the right to speak to him. And it could be a case that he decides to go elsewhere. Obviously, there's that link with uh, with RB Leipzig as well. We've seen it time and time again. Players moving from Red Bull Salzburg to RB Leipzig because of the relationship between the two clubs. Um, is that a potential route for Dominic Sobers, like into the Bundesliga? Maybe. Um, but his agent has kind of alluded to the fact that he's going to be leaving, but this guy's just 20 years old. And I don't think he's in a major rush uh, to go and... and and jump into a move that actually might not be the right one for him. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if you're going to stick with this current system, Zoboslai is probably a better option. Um, but if you're not, if Mikel Alteta has ambitions of changing it, then maybe Owa, um still remains the, the, the main man. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one to answer. Um, but I think that Zobosla maybe seems bit more likely because of the price. I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of where I sit on that one. Uh, Nithin says, uh, a little out of context for this video. But is the performance more important than results for the next few matches for Arsenal? Um, I get where you're coming from because the performance is... where the real concern is for me not so much the results now you can lose to Manchester City you can lose to Liverpool you can even lose to Leicester and you can even lose to an informal Aston Villa side this season without it being a complete and utter disaster I think the Premier League table doesn't tell the full story because of course until you've played everybody once then you don't really get and even then because you've been away you've been at home whatever against certain opponents you don't get a real balance and understanding of where teams are at Um, you know what we're nine games in it's way too early uh, to judge where Arsenal are going to finish but I think at the moment that the performances and the results are equally as important because with this bad run of results The pressure has increased on Mikel Arteta and the performances are a side issue because if you win those games, regardless of how you play, the pressure doesn't mount. The pressure doesn't come and people don't tend to moan half as much when their team get the desired result. So I feel like both are important, um, but I think the results probably just about trump it because results will take the pressure off of Mikel Arteta. Good performances, but... Further losses won't do that, in my opinion. Um, Rashid says, are, are, are our Arsenal youngsters good enough, except for Saka? Willock has been trying to break through for two years. Same with Nelson. I, I feel like Willock's got more chance of breaking through because of his profile in the sense of the type of central midfielder he is. He's the type that we don't have in our ranks. And for that reason... And the fact that he offers an alternative to Mikel Arteta, he's probably got a chance of getting some some more game time between now and the end of the season. But Is he good enough for Arsenal in the longer term? I'm not convinced yet. Can he develop into that player? Maybe. But at this moment, it's still too early to tell. Reese Nelson, I think the door's been pretty much shut on Reese Nelson. I do feel a little bit sorry for him. You know, I don't think he necessarily deserves to just be binned off. Uh, but we know Arsenal were looking at moving him on albeit on loan during the summer, that didn't materialise. Um, but yeah, I uh, you know, I don't think any of them are going to be long-term fixtures in the Arsenal side. I really don't. I think that Bukayo Saka of that kind of class that's come through is, uh, is the only one that, for me, has a real future as an Arsenal first-team player. That's not to say that won't change. That's not to say that those guys can't prove me wrong. I just don't see them getting A, enough opportunities to prove themselves and B, um the time and and the the patience from the coach to be able to develop to that level because they're not there yet I don't think um AK says who would you like to sell in January if you were Arteta um well I think the obvious ones have got to be the players that he's left out of the squad um barring William Saliba um but I think that somebody like Socrates, we need to be moving on If Pablo Marie's coming back as well, then maybe Skodran Mustafi, if there's a fee on the table for him, you'd take that as well. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see whether somebody like Reese Nelson gets a move on loan, as I've just discussed, whether that will happen in January and and hopefully he can continue his development. Um, But they're kind of the only guys that I would look at and say, yeah, I'd, I'd consider selling them. I think. We're going to need our squad this season because of the way the fixtures are so condensed, because of the fact that we're in the Europa League, we're still in the Carabao Cup and of course the FA Cup will kick off in the new year as well. So given that we still um, are fighting on all fronts and that you know we're going to need to use the depth in our squad, there's been a lot of injuries so far this season, I expect that to continue with the nature of the, of the campaign, with the way the schedule is so condensed. So on that basis, I'd probably only look to sell maybe Socrates if an offer comes across the table. Again, Mustafi maybe if an offer appears. Callum Chambers is on his way back. Pablo Marie is on his way back as well. Um, But other than that, I don't think I'd be selling anyone at the moment. I think strengthening um, is something we probably need to do uh, in that sort of creative department. Um, If we have to sell someone else, someone other than the players I've mentioned to do that, then um, I'm not necessarily close to that either so let's see Uh, gregory says love your show harry let's get to 15k finally a channel that talks good football thank you so much mate really really appreciate it um and yeah please do subscribe to the channel if you're new and hit the like button if you haven't already um what else have we got here um just trying to pick out questions from those of you whose questions i haven't answered yet um There's a comment from Musa says the scrapyard mentality at Arsenal needs to stop. If we want to compete at the highest level, we need to start buying to build for the future. Agreed. Um, Kieran B looking ahead to this weekend's game says Leeds is a tough game at the weekend. They have an incredible work rate. I still think they have plenty enough. We have plenty enough to hurt them on the counter. A score draw wouldn't surprise me, though. Uh, Lewis Cooper says, How do you think we will approach the game against Leeds? I think it will be more of the same. Um, much to the frustration of a lot of Arsenal fans, because there are a lot of Arsenal fans out there who want to see Mikel Arteta open us up a little bit, take the shackles off, allow this Arsenal side to be more expressive. But I can't see him doing that away at Ellen Road. They showed against Manchester City that they're a really, really dangerous outfit, particularly in the second half. I thought in the first half, City were the better side. But in the second period, Leeds really came into their own. They've been to Anfield and impressed. Yes, they've lost a couple of games back to back, but they're still a very good side, a side who are very, very well drilled. And Mikel Arteta will will have the world of respect for somebody like Marcelo Bielsa, and he'll be wary of the threat that his team carries. People criticise Patrick Bamford a lot. Um, You know, I've done quite a bit of work on Leeds since I sort of got into the journalism world. Um, Kind of fell into it by accident, but they're a really interesting club to follow and a really interesting club to to work on because there's always so much going on. And from that, I know that Patrick Bamford was getting a hell of a lot of stick last season for missing chances, but he's got seven goals in eight Premier League games so far this season, which is very impressive. Compare that to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's two. Um, His XG is actually only around about five and a half goals. That's what he should be at at this point according to the xg statistic but actually surpassed that so people that say that patrick bamford isn't prolific i would question that um so yeah that's someone to 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 watch out for and someone to worry about but they've got plenty of really really good plays um let's see what else you guys are saying in the chat just scrolling through um it said uh, going back to the point I was making about Obamiang says cheating is common in Africa, by the way. It's very sad. Yeah, I mean it's 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 horrible to hear that. And it's horrible to hear things like that going on. It it, it asks it begs a question, doesn't it, of the, the footballing authorities in that part of the world and you know, what are they doing to prevent this? Do they have the means to prevent this? Do they need FIFA um to help them out in terms of building that infrastructure so that they can prevent stuff like this happening. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not nice to see. Uh, Brad Richardson says I'm from Yorkshire. So most of my family support leads. So Arsenal, please don't let me down. Yeah. Um, that must be tough for you, mate. Um, I can only imagine what that's like. Well, to be fair, they've been quiet for 16 or so years and you haven't had to really worry about that. So it's about time that um, you had to deal with, deal with the uh, the rivalry there um lots of you slagging off ericsson in the chat they don't want ericsson um mr aces ericsson is crap Alcan has a different view says ericsson is better than Jacka. different players though mate it's so hard to, to to compare the two i think um let's see what else we've got here uh archangel says does pablo marie even exist yeah pablo marie's due to Resume full training pretty soon. So I don't think it'll be too long before Pablo Marie is back in the frame. Another central defensive option. It'll be interesting to see how he fits into this side. And whether actually his return will mean that Kieran Tierney can go back to being a left back. A left wing back. Rather than a hybrid between a left centre back and a left back. Be interesting to see that. How that impacts the team. Um, What else are you guys saying? Uh, Brad asks with arsenal knowing arteta's lack of exp- knowing about arsenal's lack of experience does that make him unable to be sacked um i don't think he'll be like you you'd like to think that if the club are actually moving in the right direction if the Cronkies really do care now about this football club that they would not hesitate in sacking mikel arteta if they got to the point where they didn't think he was doing the right things they didn't believe in in the process, as people like to call it. Um, but I think Mikel Arteta will get longer than this season. When people are calling for his head, I, I think it's just pointless because he's not going anywhere this season. I think Mikel Arteta will be judged properly at the back end of next season. So at the back end of the 21-22 campaign, I think that's when you'll be able to look at Mikel Arteta's arsenal and say, right, has he delivered Has he got us closer to where we need to be? And a lot of that will depend on how he's backed between now and then. Of course, that is a factor as well. Um, But I think that they've invested quite a bit in Mikel Arteta, not only in transfer fees and allowing him to go and get some of his targets, but in the fact that they've given him this promotion, made him manager rather than head coach, given him an influence over various other bits and pieces behind the scenes. I think they've made a big personal investment in Mikel Arteta, and I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon nor do I want him to to be honest I think he deserves the time let's see how it goes obviously uh that follows on nicely to Omar's question could a defeat at Spurs be the final straw for Mikel Arteta's reign at the club as I said I don't think so I don't think he goes anywhere um this season I wouldn't worry about that um I wouldn't even consider it to be honest I'd be very surprised shocked in fact if Arsenal were to pull the trigger on Mikel Arteta before the end of this season, or even at the end of this season, to be honest, regardless of what happens, I think people acknowledge the size of the job here, um, acknowledge that he is doing good things to change the culture at the club, it's not always being reflected on the field at the moment, but we are where we are, we are where we are, aren't we, Um, let's see what else you guys are saying, Haji Mohammed says, Lacazette should be sold in January, Lacazette out, Aubameyang should... Aubameyang play with his heart. Use Saliba, free Ozil and play him. Lacazette should never start again. Some strong, uh, strong views um, from Haji Mohammed there. Uh, Ross Morgan says, with Elneny out, is it Xhaka time? Yeah, I feel like that's the natural replacement. Um, I think that Xhaka will come back into the side for the game. Against Leeds United, um, Kunte says, Bielsa is going to expose Arteta. I've lost all hope in him. He seems to have a problem with everyone. Ozio, Genduzzi, Pepe, Martinelli, etc. Martinelli's injured, mate. So, you know, I don't know why. Like Everybody's talking about this. Everybody keeps saying how Martinelli's got no chance under Mikel Arteta. But how do you know that? Look, he didn't play him when he first came in. But Martinelli's an 18-year-old kid. And at a time where Mikel Arteta was tasked with steadying the ship... There was still a chance of Arsenal qualifying for the Champions League at that point when when he came in. I don't think he could have. um, I'm not going to say he could have. I don't think that it's wrong that he decided to opt for more experience than relying on a bunch of 18 year olds at a time when he didn't really know the squad, when he didn't really know what was going on. You know, there wasn't a great deal of time where Mikel Arteta was in charge before Martinelli picked up that injury. If Martinelli does the right things, Mikel Arteta will play him. You know, he's given Bukayo Saka plenty of chances. Um, Another 18-year-old who's impressed at every opportunity. Martinelli had done that up until that point. But let's not put too much pressure on Gabriel Martinelli. He's a young, young player. He's going to be coming back from a very serious injury, and it's going to take him time to get back to his best And so if he's not straight back in the side, not straight back in the squad, don't start with the whole Arteta has an agenda against Martinelli thing because, you know, I I really don't think that's the case. I really don't. Um, Let's see what else we've got here. Um, Junior Gunner says Arteta reckons he's a positive person, but his style of play is very ironic. What do you think, Harry? I think he's just tried to address the issues that were so clear at Arsenal for many, many years. And in doing that, he's probably lost his way a little bit. And in trying to strike the balance, he's put the weight too much on one side. And that is the defensive side. Um, I think we are lacking balance. I think we are a bit of a blunt sword in the attack. Um, But do I blame Mikel Arteta for making his first priority when he came into the job to try and steady that defence, to try and make us more difficult to beat, to try and prevent us leaking goals so frequently? No, I think that was absolutely the right way to go. Now is the challenging part or not the most challenging part, but the next bit in the challenge, which is to find that balance and somehow find a way of of restoring Arsenal to being something closer to the potent attacking force that we've been used to over the years. But also not losing the work that they've done in the defensive, you know, from a defensive standpoint up until this point. It's important not to lose that because, as I said to you guys previously, um, that is progress. It might not feel like it at times. And when you watch Arsenal struggle to to score goals after watching 22 years of Arsene Wenger football, then, you know, I get why people are frustrated. But we've done some good work under Mikel Arteta defensively. And now he needs to find a way of, of finding the balance without, though, undoing what has been done from a defensive standpoint um what else have we got um robin asks uh what's your opinion on the ericsson jacker swap deal i said it would be a no-go for me um but i did discuss it at length um i know you're just joining us but feel free to rewind the video at the end and, and check it out um rather than me going through it all over again uh let's see what else we've got here uh kevin Christian says, how can we continue to think Xhaka is an answer in central midfield? This guy doesn't move us forward. Everything is backwards or sideways and is a huge liability defensively. Uh, more criticism coming in for Granite Xhaka. Um, let's see. Uh, Mon says, Harry, when Martinelli was fit, mate, he put him on the bench for Eddie Enketia. Can you explain why he was benching him for Enketia? Well, it depends, doesn't it, on how Mikel Arteta sees. Gabriel Martinelli does he see him as a wide player which is by Martinelli's own admission his best position Martinelli says that Martinelli says that he prefers to play from the left hand side in which case Arsenal have other options Eddie Nketiah is a centre forward and when Aubameyang was playing on the left or is playing on the left beyond Alexander Lacazette there isn't another centre forward option so Eddie Nketiah has to be included So I don't necessarily think that what you're saying means that Mikel Arteta can't stand Gabriel Martinelli, doesn't rate him and doesn't want him anywhere near the team. I think it's about compiling a squad. And if you've got Aubameyang on the left, Pepe on the other flank, Nelson as a wide option, Willian as a wide option, Saka as a wide option, it's not surprising that an 18-year-old was benched or was left out of the squad even. At a certain points. Martinelli was fantastic in the games he played. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. Let's not get carried away with the lad. Let's not put too much pressure on him and ruin him. And put that pressure and that weight of expectation onto someone so young. We're Arsenal Football Club. You know, we should have ready-made players. And when youngsters break through and they make an impact, this great and it's fantastic. But we're Arsenal Football Club and we should be playing with ready-made top quality footballers week in week out I'm not saying that Martinelli isn't going to be one of those because I actually believe he will I said it when he broke through I hadn't been as excited about an Arsenal youngster since S. Fabregas I really love what I've seen from Gabriel Martinelli in his Arsenal career so far but with that excitement with that expectation you need to be a bit grounded as well and you need to be realistic in the fact that he is a youngster he is going to have dips in form he's going to have peaks in form he's unfortunately suffered a very very serious injury which you know I've had a knee injury myself I know it's not the same I know I don't have the access to Arsenal's sort of rehab programs and all of that stuff but it's an injury that you struggle to recover from really really is and um, I wonder what impact that injury is going to have on Martinelli going forward fingers crossed um, it isn't going to be a big one and it isn't going to be Uh, Too much of a problem for him as he looks to continue his development um, as an Arsenal player. Right. That brings me to the end of uh, this edition of the podcast. A big thank you to every single one of you who's joined in, whether that was uh, via YouTube, whether that's via the audio platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new. Hit the like button if you haven't already. And remember to head over to manscaped.com and check out some of their brilliant merchandise. Christmas is fast approaching. Black Friday is fast approaching too. Plenty of offers uh, that can catch your eyes. So please, guys, uh, do Head over to them, uh, our kind sponsors. Check them out, and uh, we'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal and football-related content. Until then, take care of yourselves and stay safe. All the best. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.